our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Yay, we're back. Hello, it's Sarah with you. Welcome Cheryl Shaw and Dr Kimberly Earl. I've just got to turn your mics on. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. <Thank you. laughs> Sometimes I forget it's not all about me. Um, Cheryl, what are we chatting about today? Okay. Do you bath your chooks? Oh. Hello. Mm, good question. That is a good question. I suppose they might get a bit stinky if you don't. I don't know. Never had chooks. And a big hello to Pete. Pete, you've got a lot of noise there. Can you fix that, please? Oh, I'm terribly sorry about that. Um, you're in Salamander Bay and your dog's in season. Yes. Um, I want to get her in pub. I've got a dog lined up for her down in Sydney. I'd like to get with her. Um but down in Sydney, uh, she came on season on Monday, and I'm wondering how many days after she starts spotting, so to speak, um, is she ready to be, you know, yeah. Right, okay. Um, that, that can vary with um, every dog. So, you know, most places you would probably start trying to introduce them from about day... I don't know, seven, I'd think. Um, and it, but it may take another, you know, five, five to seven days from there. And some dogs will only uh, sort of be receptive for a very short period of time. So normally, I think um, you, you're going to want to try to get her down there and see if you can keep her down um, where that dog is so she has multiple introductions. And even once she is recept- receptive, you want to get her um, joined, you know, a good sort of two to three times um, to make sure you have a successful breeding. Okay, yeah, she's English, Daffy. Um the trouble is, I was trying to get a rough um, estimate uh, to. Just, I've got to get it down Sydney, sort of speak. So, yeah. 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 It's usually around that three day mark that you leave them together. So it just depend on on when she actually started and and um, where she's at in her cycle. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I'll listen to you each week. It's a good show. <laughs> thank you. Oh, That's thanks, lovely. Pete. Yeah, it's always <laughs> great to hear. We appreciate it. And of course, taking your calls on four nine two one six two one six. Now, Cheryl, we're looking at you know chooks today. Now, I know we've got to bath our dogs. Yeah. I don't know about cats. Well, some people bath their cats, but certainly this is an interesting one because I didn't realise just how many people are so enthusiastic about their chickens. <laughs> Obviously, people who show birds, um, you know, they're always preening their their feathers of their birds and bathing them. But backyard birds really can benefit from having a bath. Oh, okay. Birds actually do like, or chooks, like to make a dirt bath and have fun with that. It's like a little bit of a spa for them. But when you look at some of those fat bottom girls, they've got really <laughs> dirty vent areas. Now, this is where disease can come into it. So you do need to be making sure that obviously they're on a good diet, but also that that area is nice and clean. Um, it's quite simple. If you're going to bath them, you need to have everything ready, though, because some chooks aren't quite as receptive to the whole idea. Oh, yes. Okay. They're not a fan. They'd rather be dirty birds. Yeah, absolutely. So get everything ready. Have your nice warm water. Don't make it too hot or too cold because this bird is going to sort of panic if it's, um, you know, starting to get boiled. But what we need to do is make sure that the water's ready, you've got a towel ready, um, that everything's there. Now, you can use a shampoo, a pet shampoo, a mild one. Don't use a medicated shampoo, but something mild, a pet shampoo, or you can use a baby shampoo but make sure when you're rinsing that you really do rinse that shampoo back out of the bird okay when you're working with the bird in the water um, applying the shampoo go with the feather don't come against it so make sure you're applying the the um the shampoo with the feather so not not pulling it back on the bird 
be calm, don't scrub, okay? <laughs> be really calm. And the bird will start to relax and really enjoy this. So that's a great idea um, if you're wanting to make sure your bird's nice and clean. But another thing that you can do with Easter coming up, You've probably seen, Sarah, at um, agricultural shows and also at petting shows how they have those coloured little chickens. Yes, yes. Well, the that, Yeah, mm, and that's quite silkies. cute. Mm. But what they do for that, they actually inject the egg before their little chicken is born. So I'm oh. not so big on that. But what you can do is you can, with your silkies or your little chickens, or if you've got a bird that's got some you know, lighter colour feathering on them, when you're rinsing the bird at the bath, instead of just using plain water, you can rinse with some uh, food dye, so some human um, food colouring. Yep, which of course is um, non-toxic and very safe. And safe. I bath my kids in it every day. So okay. I'm sorry. Mm, okay, so they've got different colour hair, I take it. <laughs> so what happens? We um, we rinse that bird with the water and the colour will take. So you can do lots oh, of fun cool things. how cool is that? Yeah, and you can use pastels like Easter's coming up or you can have little oh, rainbow so birds. So creative, Cheryl. It is. But the other thing that you can do, if you don't want to go to the whole bathing and you do want to put a bit of colour, you can just apply a little bit of colour to a couple of wings just with a little brush and a bit of food dye. So that's a little bit of fun cotton for tips. Easter. Cotton, cotton tips as well, yeah, yes. Just dip it in cotton tip it. Yeah. yeah. So it is a little oh, bit of fun. But, cute. you know, if you do have a bird that is dirty and, you know, you're concerned, and there's sometimes, too, that there is another area that you need to be mindful of because um, chooks can get mites as well, and so that needs to be treated if you've got um, birds with mites. Mm. I did like your tip about not making the water too hot. We don't want them to think they're going in the big cooking pot on the stove, right. do we? You know? And you know what? <laughs> Another, I've, I've learned a few things from the little um, little research on this, but one of the things was vinegar. A lot of the experts that, that show birds um, use vinegar in their rinse just to make those feathers really nice and shiny. Some people actually rub the feathers with a silk rag. Again, they want these feathers to be really shiny. But this was the interesting one that I thought... They get a rag with olive oil and put it on the chook's face and their mm. feet. And I just thought, what on earth are they thinking? What are they thinking? Is it just meant to shine it up? Just to make it yeah, shiny. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Poor yeah. birds. What but are they yeah, going through? I just thought that chook, what's going through its mind? Yes, exactly. Mm. And, Cheryl, can I just thank you from a personal note? And you can see this on our webcam at 2NURFM.com. You're renowned for wearing brooches. And yes. normally it's a standard poodle. And today you've, you've worn a rooster. I have. I've gone. <laughs> All out. You yeah. are just, you always team with the theme. Oh, perfect feathers. Oh, doesn't go unnoticed. <laughs> and taking your calls on 49216216. And it's Pet Chat today, all thanks to our sponsor, Dog Overboard. Lynn from Cameron Park, you've got a thank you. Yes, I do. I'd like to thank Newcastle Dog Rescue and Sue Barker. I've just um, bought a dog that was brought from Dubbo Pound. I love her so, so much. Aww. She loves me so, so much. And I just think if anybody wants to have a dog that really needs love and would love you like you love it, it loves you, it's absolutely amazing. Aww. So thank you to Dog Rescue. Lynn, thank you for the call. Great endorsement. And, of course, later on this week we will feature our Dog of the Week from Dog mm. Rescue Newcastle. And we've got Nikki today, so I'll tell you all about her shortly. But we've got a great video up on, on the website that we will direct you to. You enjoy the smooches with your pooches, okay? 
I will. Thank you. I got my cat, Walker, from um, Dubbo Pound. Didn't end up so well. She was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably my fault because we played Chasey's when she was a kitten and Mm. she never got over that in the middle of the night. She's like an alien bouncing out. Anyway, Uh. good times. It is Pet Chat and we will take more calls shortly. 49216216. When we come back, though, Kimberly, we're looking at the pros and cons of desexing our animals. Desexing, yeah. I mean, I think everybody is aware of the pet overpopulation issue and why we should desex, but there's some really good medical reasons to desex your pets as well. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that. I believe we've got Michael from Wood Rising on the line. You've got a question for Dr. Kimberly about your staffy, Michael. Yeah, hi. Hello, what can we do for you? Well, it's not my staffy, but it's sort of the extended family stock. Um, and I've been looking after it the last week or so. Um, it, um, she, she's 10 years old. She's always been extremely healthy, very fit. Built like a the proverbial big brick thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she's a unit. She's a unit, yeah, yeah, but just a small one, though. She was a run of a litter, English stuffy. Anyway, she can run like a bullet and all of that, but just lately she's had some uh, really bad diarrhoea, you know, like it was yellow. Mm-hmm. And the vet put her on um, some antibiotics. That didn't help. And then put her on more amoxicillin and flagell as well. But it doesn't seem to have cleared things up. Right, okay. Uh, so she brought, they brought... Um, I've been looking after her because she's been getting under the house and she's got a pension for eating lizards and things. Mm-hmm. And they think that that was where she might have got the... Sure. But she's wasting um, reasonably, you know, yep. like a, wasting around the neck and the head, the muscle. Mm, um, okay. And she's been fed on, um, yeah, boiled chicken and rice for the last two weeks. And, and still struggling with the diarrhoea, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's the sort of standard things that we would um, usually do in my practice as well. We would start with um, trying to go back to a really bland diet, uh, sometimes use an antibiotic to see if we can correct a, um, an overgrowth of a, a not-so-happy bacteria. If that's not working, and certainly in an older dog, um, I would start to look at um, probably more, more serious things, what's happening uh, internally. So I'd be looking for some blood work to see if we can see any evidence of kidney liver issues, mm-hmm. um, possibly ultrasounds or or abdominal x-rays and unfortunately a lot of these dogs end up um, on our surgery table and we we go inside and have a look around and it may be that we've developed some sort of a a cancer or colitis or an inflammatory bowel disease type condition. Uh Um, There are some more sophisticated um, fecal testing uh, mechanisms that can be done so I know there's some send out tests that can look for some of the rare organisms and um, and it may be worthwhile you know depending on what her clinical symptoms are I'm sure your vet is on top of all that sort of stuff so I yeah, think if she's yeah we've got a book in again for Thursday for tomorrow so yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like she needs a more extensive workup. Um, you know, any any older dog who's got, you know, sort of a new onset of chronic diarrhea and she's wasting, we start to look for some of the nastier things, unfortunately. So hoping hoping it's nothing like that and that we can, um, your vet can sort it out for you. But, yeah, definitely start thinking about some, some more in-depth workup for her. Yeah, just one more question. I was fascinated with the story about dying um, took feathers and things. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was out in the park at um, Marmong Point there at the art gallery. Yeah, we got a lot of... Yep flocks of little corellas. Yes. And I've got a video of a strange one. I mixed them. It's it's obviously a little corella. Yeah. It's pink. 
Yeah. So they will um, sometimes interbreed with um, galahs, and we do sometimes see some hybrid galahs and corellas um, uh-huh. that can be different. Or um, occasionally we'll get a stray bird, so it could be something like a little Major Mitchell's cockatoo or a Leadbeater's cockatoo. No, definitely not a Major um, Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. No, none, so, of, none of the yeah. colouring, none of the crisp. Yeah, so it's probably yeah. a bit of a hybrid with a galah. Yeah. How nice. That's well, that cool. Was, that, was, that was what I suspected because yeah. uh, Bird Life Australia came back to me on Facebook and said oh, someone... It's an escape pet that someone's died. Yeah. Oh, ah. well, yeah. I mean, there's always that. There's certainly that. lots of escape pets, but I would be thinking it's probably a hybridised bird. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering if you could hybridise them. That was my yes. question. Yeah, Is you it can. some sort of wild hybrid? Yeah. 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 Uh, great. That solves that mystery for me. He's so <laughs> interesting. Michael's obviously got a bit of knowledge about the birds, mm, too. That yes. was really cool. All right, we've got Robert now from Raymond Terrace. Now, you've got a comment about washing and showering chickens, Robert. Yes, quickly to give a quick history. My parents had a chicken hatchery in Tamworth, which I grew up on. We also showed birds uh, in the local shows up there. When we washed a bird to get it ready, we always used, well, I don't think you can get it nowadays, which used to be Lux, was a washing detergent, Mm -hmm. or sunlight soap, but a pure soap. Don't use, like, the more later models with extra chemicals in them. Okay. So something very pure, you're saying? Yes, get a pure soap, Mm -hmm. we found. Also, we used to rinse them off. And as you said in your comment, make sure you rinse them off well. Mm -hmm. But then we used to use them, and I don't think you can get them anymore, but there used to be what was called a blue bag, and you dipped it, particularly for the white birds. It made the white really white. Oh, yes. Robert, I know what you're talking about. I'm a little bit older than these girls here. <laughs> but you know, you know what it you're is? in my category. You bit. know what it is, Robert? It's that blue bag we used to use for yeah, um, the green ants. The when yeah. the green ants bit us, we used to put that blue bag on. Oh, yeah. Yep. But I've got no idea what you're talking about. I know. About. We're in our own little world here, Sarah. Oh. <laughs> I reckon a lot of our listeners would know what you're yeah. talking about, The though. blue bag would stop the green ant from stinging. Oh. I don't know what oh, yeah. was in oh, it. that's another thing, and the old melatol. Oh. Yeah, yeah, okay. There you go. Mm. I've always just used vodka, but I'll, I'll try that. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Robert, that's very interesting. The other thing we found at times, mm. even in the rinse, a little bit of, and this very much so also with dogs, because I had a dog that had a, uh, got very itchy in that, and some, a couple of drops in of Dettol in the rinse water, <laughs> and it got rid of... The itchiness. Mm, you have to be very careful with Dettol around pets. That's oh, for yeah. Sure. You only want a couple of drops. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, all these interesting things coming through. Um, David Bouse, who is amazing. You'll, you'll speak to him when you call. David just said, I know about the blue bag too. Okay, so there you, there you go. We're talking pet chat today. 49216216. Some interesting calls coming through, ladies. I like the different calls. That's now, Cheryl, you've started something. Or, or actually, I think it was um, one of our listeners, was it? Yeah, it was Robert. Robert. Mm. Robert did this. Now, we're talking about the blue bag and you're explaining it and it sounds to me like that shampoo you can get if you're a blonde and you want it to go even blonder. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of our listeners remember it and we've got um, Jim on the line. You've got a comment about the blue bag, Jim. I certainly have, Sarah. Um, Good trivia question, actually. The pub, uh, what was it called? Reckitt's Blue. Reckitt's Blue, that's it. 
Yeah, that's it. So I remember my mum used to use it on Dad's shirts when he was working. That's yes. what Cheryl was saying in the yeah. in, during yeah. the song. So yeah. what, you boil right. it up? You boil it in with the shirt? Or? No, you just throw the, you throw the shirts in, you throw the blue bag in and... Oh, I was only a kid. I mean, good age way here, but I'm talking... Of course um, you were. 60 years ago. Oh, wow. so, so there you go. Mum used to put the shirts in the laundry, laundry tub, which back in those days uh, they were made of uh, reinforced cement. Yes. And they had a metal metal rim around the top, and they were divided in two, and they were huge. You could have a bath in them; they were so big. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Mum used to trade Dad's shirts in there the, the day be- or on the weekend because he worked through the week at BHP. He was an officer down there many years ago, and throw all the shirts in, fill it up with water, and throw the records blue in, and mix it all up. Give it a mix every so often. And people used to use them in their coppers. If you probably don't remember the coppers. Used to be gas fired. Used to have a gas. I remember gas. those. Yeah. I remember yeah. those. I've never go. used one, but I do remember. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you know, you yeah. just brought a memory back to me there too, as well, Jim. I remember the big stick that they had to stir. <laughs> right. To stir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Used to stir, stir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. There you go. Thank you for the walk down memory lane, Jim. We appreciate it. It's a bit sad, really, but anyway. No, it's interesting, and um, the phone lines are lighting up, so we may have more. But we're going to go now. Uh, Cheryl in Stockton, you've got a comment about your dog, Bundy, and unfortunately, Bundy has a tumour. Yeah, he's got a tumour on his pancreas, and he has pancreatitis. He's only allowed to have boiled chicken and rice Mm -hmm. or boiled chicken and pasta, but he has a big lump on the inside of his left leg up the top, um, it's the size of a container you get at McDonald's with the dipping sauce. And I took him to the vet and they said if they operate, he could bleed to death. Okay, on that, on the, the tumour on his um, leg, is it? Pardon? So he could bleed to death from the, the tumour on his leg, is it? Yeah, that's what yeah. they told me. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, obviously, Bundy has multiple issues there and we would always, um, you know, you're you're the one who's seeing the tumour on the leg and that's possibly distressing for you. Um, from yeah. my standpoint, we've got to be really careful with the dog with pancreatitis and if he's got a, um, a pancreatic tumour. Those dogs, in some cases, are ticking time bombs and not really suitable for um, surgeries. If that, if that lump on his leg's not causing him a lot of grief... No, it's not causing him no harm. Then, no, then, bother about it. Yeah, then probably, um, you know, I, I think my my personal feeling would be I'd probably leave it alone as well. And depending if it's on the inside yeah. of the leg, it can be quite close to some of those big femoral arteries and things like that as well. So, um, yeah. you know, it sounds like little Bundy's got a, a few different issues going on, and I'm sure your vet's got it well in hand as to which... I, we always have this conundrum as vets. People bring their dogs or, and pets into us and they say, this is the problem that I see and that's causing me to be concerned but sometimes what you're concerned about is a little bit different to what we're more concerned about and there's a bit of a balance there trying to uh, match up you know making sure that we're feeling making you as the owner feel good about what's happening with the dog but also taking into consideration that we have a little bit more um, insider information sometimes so um, you know I think if it's not bothering him I'd probably be very careful uh, in a dog with pancreatitis so.
Yeah. It won't die on me, Willie. It won't die. I, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. Well, I mean, every all, all dogs have to die at some point. And, He's and saying no in the background. Yeah, pancreatitis <laughs> is a very serious disease. So, you know, I certainly couldn't ever give you that guarantee. So just enjoy the time yeah. you have with him and take your, your, your vet's best recommendations and best of luck to both you and Bundy. Good advice. Uh, mm. Good advice there. And I do love that you could hear Bundy in the background when she <laughs> asked that question. Ruff, 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 don't be stupid. Now we've opened a can of worms. We're talking about the blue bag. Um, now, Lynn from Gresford, you've got a comment about the blue bag. D- yes. Y- yes, I have. Um, with the blue bags, I've got in my hand at the moment a Ricketts Blue O or B L U O liquid blue laundry brightener 250 mils so, so can you still buy it so it's a container I, I'm not sure if you can still buy it um, it was it, it when I cleaned out my mother-in-law's house oh. there it was there you go and I believe you can still buy it because another listener has just rung in and said you can still buy the blue bags there you go Stuff we didn't know. We're talking pet chat four nine two one six two one six. Now, Kimberly, we're going to look at desexing today. Yeah, so desexing. So I think um, we're all pretty aware of the whole issue of pet overpopulation in Australia. We've got loads and loads of dogs and cats in um, in shelters, and so I'm not really going to talk about desexing from that sort of standpoint. But I've, I I con- uh, constantly or frequently get questions from clients about are there medical benefits to desexing my pet so on top of the fact that we don't want to breed them what are the benefits to my pet from desexing and I always say that there absolutely are and in fact from my standpoint I think that's probably one of the most important issues of of desexing so let's have a look at a few different things so um, dogs in particular so female dogs really really high rates of mammary or breast cancers in undesexed female dogs so it used to be one one of the most common cancers we see. We are getting pretty good in Australia about desexing our female dogs, and we know that if we desex a female dog before her first heat cycle, we will pretty much reduce her chance of um, developing a mammary cancer. It's by, by about 90%, so wow. it's really, really significant. Yes. In between the first and second heat cycle, if we desex them in that period of time, we still get a good benefit. It's probably about a 50% reduction in her risk of developing mammary cancer. After the second heat cycle no benefit anymore in that regard oh, okay? okay so, so if you're going to do it get in early is a, is a really good thing um, we know pyometra so pyometra is an infection of the uterus um, when we desex a dog we do a complete ovariohysterectomy um, or that's the standard you're still in Australia at this stage um, so we're taking out the ovaries and the uterus if you haven't got a uterus you can't develop an infection in it and it's a really quite common thing statistically the older a dog an entire female uh, gets the higher the risk of her developing a pyometra. But I have seen pyometries in dogs under one year of age at their first or after their first heat cycle. Um, and that's a life-threatening emergency. And the, the treatment for pyometra, the standard treatment, is basically that you take them to surgery and you desex them at that point. But now instead of taking a really stable, happy patient to surgery, you're taking a very debilitated, sick patient to surgery. And some dogs will die of that. Kimberly, silly question. Mm-hmm. Um, at roughly what age is the first heat cycle? Well, it depends 
depends a little bit on the breed of your dog, whether you have a large breed or small breed dog. But typically, um, puberty, even in small breed dogs, is usually going to happen from about six months of age. Right. Larger breed dogs will take a little bit longer. But we still, for the majority of patients, still recommend desexing around the six-month mark. So, right. um, you know, most of our patients aren't coming um, from a shelter situation necessarily. And so, you know, shelters will usually do them uh, earlier than that. But in the, the standard pet population, we're usually giving them a bit of an opportunity to grow up, waiting till they're about six months of age, just prior to puberty and, and doing it at that point. So, okay. And that's dogs and cats, fairly, fairly similarly. Um, interesting to note is with the mammary cancer issue, rats, so female rats, have a very high rate of mammary cancers as well. And we know that if we go and desex them, they standard spay procedure for them as well um, that we can reduce their risk of mammary cancers as well uh, rabbits and a lot of our rabbit clients come in and have their little boy rabbits desex but female rabbits um, by about four to five years of age they, they estimate that about 80 percent of female rabbits will have uterine cancer how many sorry how much 80 percent it's really wow. high um, so again we would recommend um, a, a spay of a healthy female rabbit before you've got a problem um, you know once you once you're starting to deal with uh, diseased tissue desexing them or, or doing the surgery does become more problematic and obviously you've got with cancer the risk of spread to other areas of the body so that's certainly worthwhile thinking about as well and the success rate for rabbits as well if you um if you do get them to sex before the, the first heat cycle 90 percent so with rabbits reduction. we don't tend to see heat cycles as such as okay. we do in dogs right. so um so with with rabbits mostly it's just about getting the the uterus out of there so they don't develop that cancer uh, sure. with rats yes yeah, certainly um the mammary the mammary cancers you get um a pretty well a reduction at any time but certainly the sooner the better um, we do have some rats that will present to us for the, f the first time with a lump female rats and they've got their mammary tumor and we'll take that off and desex them at the same time to try to help reduce the, the recurrence of that so some um, other benefits in desexing de other than just yeah. overpopulation yeah mm. so if we have a chance have we got another call no not yet um we do. Okay, we'll go to that, call. If we get a chance, we'll talk about some of our boy dogs in a minute. Okay, we've got Kim from Swansea. You've got a question about using Dettol on dogs. Uh, yes, uh, one of the best made a reference to it, yeah. uh, that it was so good for pets. I was just wondering why, what, what the reason is. Yeah, so, so um, dogs have a much thinner skin than we do. So their skin is only 10 cells thick. Um, compared to ours. It's about 50% thickness of ours and we find that Dettol and a lot of those other products um, are much too strong and can do more damage than, than harm. So they're much more irritant. So that's why we prefer to use, um, you know, uh, veterinary preferred or, or veterinary uh, pet safe things on dogs. So we don't ever recommend using Savlon, Dettols, those sorts of things. Oh, Savlon either. Oh, I don't use Savlon, but uh, basically I've got working dogs and mm -hmm. I have uh, over the years they yeah, uh, uh, they've got injuries, and uh, what I do is uh, dilute a bit of Dettol. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I put in a wound, and I use Benadryl on it. Yeah. You know, I use a lot of that on it. Yeah. Uh, because I can't re readily get them to vet, to vet sure. have it cleaned out or whatever. So yeah. anyway, control it. So Betadine so would be fine. I wouldn't have an issue with dilute Betadine. We use that in a hospital setting as well, and that's not a, a concern. Um, the other thing you could consider um, in our hospital, we um, we dispense a lot of um, chlorhexidine, sort of um, concentrate chlorhexidine for people to have at home, and then dilute that down. So that's the pink sort of surgical scrub that we use in our hospital, and you can get it in a concentrate formula, have it home in a little bottle and dilute that in some warm water. And that's a very safe, 
non-toxic and and very um, bactericidal sort of product as well. So something like Dettol, unfortunately, is just a little bit too reactive, and we wouldn't recommend but it. But the Betadine's good. Betadine's like fine. There yeah, there's okay. no problem. Having a quick look at our weather. It's all thanks to our sponsor, Snap Freeze Air Conditioning. Your day can specialist. Partly cloudy this afternoon. The next few days will be cloudy, but our temperatures definitely reaching early, possibly mid thirties, and very similar for the weekend. So getting quite warm. We're talking pet chat. Um, now, before we go back and revisit uh, the benefits of desexing our animals, and we're going to look at mm. males, we've looked at the females, mm-hmm. um, just having a quick look at our pet of the week. Now, if you head to our website, 2NURFM.com, click on the tab more at the top and click down on dog of the week, you'll be able to find Nikki. Now, Nikki is a sweet, loving, enthusiastic girl. She is a Kelpie, and she's looking to be part of her forever family. She obviously loves action being a Kelpie, so she wants to be involved in whatever is going on around her, but she is happy to lie on the lounge as well and enjoy some serenity. Who doesn't? Um, She keeps herself entertained quite well. She will run around, play with toys. She loves big walks. She also loves snuggles. She's quite affectionate. Um, And look, she's quite um, intelligent as well and and does a lot of commands already to sit, stay, come, wait and a few others. So if you've got the time to invest and you're looking, um, you know, for a companion, consider Nikki. The other thing is she loves swimming. So if you could offer her the chance to swim, we've got a great video on the website of her swimming and she is very good. So please, if you want more information, go check her out. A great picture as well of her just chilling on the lounge saying, pick me, which I thought was quite cute. It's pretty cute. So that's our dog of the week. Now, Kimberly, back to desexing and mm. some of the, the pros and cons of, of doing that. For our males. So mm. the reason I thought of this topic this week is because I've had a week um, or maybe the last 10 days that have been filled with um, issues related to, to desexing or, or not desexing, in, in fairness. Um, so we've had this week uh, a male dog, an um, older male dog, who's had a very serious infection of his prostate and mm. he's undergoing surgery this week um, to try to get that corrected. And that's a condition that although the prostate is not something we touch when we do desex a male dog, um, a lot of the issues with prostate um, prostatic hypertrophy or, or prostate abscesses and prostate cancer will be resolved by desexing a dog. And so again, we would recommend doing that. I've also seen a dog this week that has um, scrotal tumors. So um, that dog um, has a tumor on the scrotum and, and is due for some surgery as well, um, where we're going to desex him and, and take away the whole um, skin in that area. Um, and it may or may not be connected to the um, to the uh, underlying tissue, but we're definitely going to take that off. And so, um, again, that dog potentially would have had um, less issues if we had desexed early on in life. So that's an, another middle-aged or older dog. And the biggest reason for a male dog um, that I think is, is a real concern is that if you have a male dog who's an entire male dog, and your dog might be the picture of loveliness, he might have the best behavior, but he is a target. Just having those two things hanging on there means he's producing pheromones, male entire pheromones. It puts him at risk from other entire male dogs and we see this over and over and over again dogs that have been living in the same household two entire males um, and all of a sudden one of them turns on the other one um, and we end up with a dog who's been ripped up quite badly so that's comp- that can just it happen happens out all of the, blue. the time and even if like i said if it's your own it might be your own dog you go to the dog beach the dog park and your dog is perfectly well socialized but he's an entire male which means he's a threat to the other entire males in the area so they know they know if they've still absolutely. got the full package they absolutely do the pheromones coming off of that entire male is is mm. really really different to a, a dog who's been desexed. 
okay. he's been castrated. Um, I don't know, you know, my one of my colleagues keeps saying, as soon as I've got some time, I'm going to do the research to prove it. Um, but we certainly see it over and over again. The absolutely majority of um, dog fights, dog attacks that we see are on male dogs who are entire, by male dogs who are entire. Occasionally we get a little white fluffy, somebody's little white fluffy thing who's really, you know, badly been damaged. But the majority, it's it's between male entire dogs. And so I think just from that standpoint alone, um, you know, your dog is at risk. Your dog's also at more um, risk of being hit by a car. So the majority of dogs that we see that have um, motor vehicle accidents um, are entire males because they're smelling all those lovely females in the area. They get out of the oh. yard, they get out of the house, they wander across the road and smush um, and so me. you know your male dog the, the fact really that he's an entire male they absolutely like are. all they, men <laughs> you know it, <laughs> it's really back. about reducing their risk of encountering troubles yes. out in the world so even though you know you, lots of people come and say well he's he's a lovely dog he doesn't have any behavioral issues um, that's absolutely fine but let's protect him as best as we can if you're not planning to breed with him there's no he's got no emotional attachment to those things let's get them off of there and protect him as best as we can really good advice <laughs> and great information information. Dr. Kimberly Earl, Cheryl Shaw, thank you both for coming in as Thanks, always. Sarah. Really interesting pet chat today. We've learnt so much and look just quickly, don't forget about our Dirty Dogs competition. I am loving this. Head to our website 2NURFM.com and go to Dirty Dogs Under More and um, send us in an entry. We want to see a pic of your dog being really dirty because they can win a fabulous prize, can't they Cheryl? They certainly can. We look forward to seeing those photographs. Yeah, we so much fun. So at the end of the month we, we pick a winner we announce a winner and you do get a bath and dry spa package um, at dog overboard so why wouldn't you head there now we'd love to see them thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle topics range from gardening to health well-being pet care finance business and travel you'll find them all at 2NURFM.com